0: Exodus, the 32nd chapter, we're going to start in verse number 1, Exodus chapter 32 and verse number 1. Let's pray together, before we read, we'll read verses uh, 1 down uh, through a, a large portion of the chapter. Let's pray together. Father, uh, thank you for what you've given to us. Lord, we acknowledge that we uh, are in great debt to those before us. I appreciate the reminder of that. I pray as we look into your word, your word is an example of one of those things that has been passed down to us that we must not under any circumstance cast away uh, in search of something new. Uh, For these roots that are in your word are bringing up the spiritual truths, uh, to us and our generation, just as they did in the uh, three and 400s in the days of Patrick of Ireland. Lord, we pray that you would bless the time as we study your word. Lord, this is not our thoughts. Uh, these are not our ideas, but these are things that you have written. Help us to give heed to them. Lord, even as we think of ourselves and the, the roles that you have given each one of us, Help us to consider these things in humility and give us the the grace we need to respond to them properly. In Jesus' name, amen. Exodus 32, verse 1, And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man, that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. All right, so this is Moses is on Mount Sinai receiving, we talked about on Wednesday night, the two tables etched with the very finger of God, the Ten Commandments. Moses is up in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. Remember that number because that's quite a long time to be absent. You know, a month, you know, over a month, a month and 10 days. Verse 2 And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings. "...which are in in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the the golden earrings which are in their ears, and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand, and fashioned it with a graving tool, after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation, and, and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord." And they rose up early on the morrow and burnt and offered burnt offerings and peace, and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink, and rose up to play. That play there is not a good play, as you can imagine. And the Lord said unto Moses, Get thee down, go, get thee down, for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I, I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf, and have worshipped it. And have sacrificed thereunto, and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. And Moses besought the Lord his God, and said, Lord, Thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and setst unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven. And all this land that I have spoken of I will give unto your seed, and they shall inherit, for, inherit it forever. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. And Moses turned and went down from the mount, and the two tables of the testimony were in his hand. And the tables were written on both their sides, on the one side and on the other side were they written, and the tables were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God graven upon the tables. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. And he said, it is not the voice of them that shout for mastery, neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome, but the noise of them that sing do I hear. And it came to pass, as soon as he came nigh into the camp, that he saw the calf and the dancing. And Moses' anger waxed hot, and he cast the tables out of his hands and brake them beneath the mount. And he took the calf which they had made, and burned it in the fire, and ground it to powder, and strawed it upon the water, and made the children of Israel drink of it. Notice the word made. That's going to be significant in them here in a minute. That, that Moses came down and made them drink of the water that he had uh, into which he had put the uh, ashes, the powder. And Moses said unto Aaron, What did this people unto thee, that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? And Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. Thou knowest the people that they are set on mischief. You can hear the whiny kind of nasally tone coming from Aaron. I know all of you heard it as I was reading it and you were thinking it. And for they said unto me, Make us gods, we shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. And I said unto them, I hate this verse. <laughs> I hate this verse. Whosoever hath any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it me and I cast it into the fire and there came out this calf. The, the pop is not Actually, part of the text. It's in the Hebrew, I promise. And when Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked under their shame among their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. Now we're going to skip down for time. Verse 34. Moses intercedes. God spares the people. And of course, like God always does, he turns the page. It's amazing. He could have just obliterated them. While he's giving them the Ten Commandments etched with his own finger on two tables of stone, the very commands, like we mentioned on Wednesday night, that he had spoken Audibly, audibly from the top of Mount Sinai from a pillar of fire which would have been in appearances like a volcano erupting. They were so terrified they were moved from the mountain. They backed away, away from the mountain and asked Moses, please speak to God for us. We're going to die if God talks to us. They heard, heard God say these very words and while Moses is up, is up there, they commit this grave sin breaking several of the commandments all at once, including the the first and the second. God could have rightly just obliterated them, but He doesn't. What does He do? He turns the page. He forgives them, and He moves on. Verse 34. Now therefore go. This is the Lord speaking to Moses. Lead the people unto the place of which I have spoken unto thee. Behold, mine angel... Shall go before thee nevertheless in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. And the Lord plagued the people. Now notice these words. Because they made the calf. What's the next phrase? Which Aaron made. What a blot on that name, Aaron. Right? What a blot on his name. Now turn to, hold your hand here. We're going to come back here, but turn to Deuteronomy chapter 9. Deuteronomy 9 verse, let's look down at verse number 17. Pick up there because this is, again, remember Deuteronomy is a recounting or retelling of what happened in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers by Moses. And verse 17 of Deuteronomy 9 says, And I took the two tables and cast them out of my two hands and break them before your eyes. And I fell down before the Lord as at the first. Forty days and forty nights I did neither eat bread nor drink water because of all your sins which ye sinned in doing wickedly in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. And I, for I was afraid of the anger and hot displeasure, wherewith the Lord was wroth against you to destroy you. But the Lord hearkened unto me at that time also. Striking, verse 20. I read it and it's like like the Bible punched me in the face. Look at what it says. And the Lord was very angry with Aaron to have destroyed him. God was so angry at Aaron's failure that God was ready to just take him out of this world. And I prayed for Aaron also at the same time. So would you say that Aaron's failure is such a a light word for what Aaron did and didn't do? Would you say that Aaron's sin and failure in this case was grave? Would you, would, you, would you say that based upon Deuteronomy 9 verse 20? Yes. At least we might not think it's all that grave. But for sure, God thought it was extremely grave to the point that he was ready to take him out. If hadn't Moses not... Now, now you've got to remember, in this story... In this story, there are several characters. There are several characters. Let's get the characters, get the setting. First, you have the people. Okay, we'll talk talk about them in a minute. Then you have Moses, who is absent, because he's going to get that's God told him to go up to the mountain. So this is God's prerogative. Moses is absent, but in his absence, he has left Aaron primarily and also her. To lead the people, according to Exodus chapter 24, verse, I believe it's 24, he gives, he tells Aaron and her that you're in charge, basically you're in charge until I get back, if there is any need. So Aaron was left in charge. Let me say this again. Aaron was left in spiritual leadership of this nation while Moses was absent. So you have the third party, which is Aaron. So you have the people. You have Moses, and you have Aaron. Now, going back to Exodus 32, if you would turn back there. I want to remind you as I try to apply what this says, and I try to kind of bring it home to where we are. Most of us in this room... in some degree or another, right now are in a position or in a role of spiritual leadership. And if you are not currently at this moment in a role of spiritual leadership, in all likelihood, you will be in the future. There's people in here that aren't yet married, or people listening for sure that aren't yet married. But one day when you get married... You will have a wife, you will have a husband, you will have children. And if you have if you're a, if you're a lady and you have children, you have a role of spiritual leadership over your children. If you are a husband with children, you have a role of spiritual leadership in your family over your children. And over your wife. Some of you have grandchildren. The point being is that we think often of spiritual leadership as the pastor, and that is a role of spiritual leadership, or a Sunday school teacher, and that is also a role of spiritual leadership. And those are valid. But the role of spiritual leadership is in which we practice leadership most often is usually in our house, is our home, okay? I want to look at Aaron as, as in this instance, as it relates to spiritual leadership, okay? Because Aaron blew it. That, again, that's too light of a, of a word, So let's look at verse number 1. And the people, Exodus 32, verse 1, And when the people uh, saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. Now, again, there are three parties. The people, Moses and Aaron. Moses is absent, so it's just the people and Aaron. There is no question in this passage, that the people of Israel have had a failure of faith in such a short time. Moses has been gone maybe a month. But, I mean, you can see the mountain, okay? You can see God's burning fire on top of the mountain with their, own, with their physical eyes. But nevertheless, they've had a failure in faith. There's no question about that. But that's why Aaron is there. That's what we need to understand. That's why Aaron is there. Aaron has been left in a role of spiritual leadership in the absence of Moses. It is to be understood and maybe even expected that in the capacity of a spiritual leader uh, leadership role that sometimes the people over whom we've been placed are going to mess up. Sometimes they're going to um, they're going to sin, they're going to get derailed, they're going to get distracted, they're going to be tempted like these people were. Sometimes those people over whom we have spiritual leadership are going to fail. Our kids are going to fail and have failures of faith. You know, And each one of us is probably in a position not only of even if we're a spiritual leader, we're also a spiritual follower. In other words, we have leaders over us as well. I'm in that case, and most of you, pretty much all of you are like that too. And and so therefore, in that capacity, we ourselves will also probably have failures of faith as followers. So it's not surprising, it's regrettable, but it's not surprising that the children of Israel had a failure of faith. That's why they need a leader. Because a spiritual leader is a person that is supposed to have a clear vision of God's will. You understand? That's what a spiritual leader is supposed to have. He is supposed to have, or she in that case, is supposed to have a clear vision of what is God's will and not be distracted or diverted or otherwise tempted to be derailed from God's will that's the, kind of the definition of a leader. A leader is a person who leads by example. But to do that, he himself, she herself must have a clear vision of God's will. Being a spiritual leader is not only about pleasing and satisfying the desires of those that follow. This is key. A spiritual leader must have clear vision. Let me ask you a question. Aaron, before I do that, Aaron did not have a clear vision of God's will. I don't believe in this passage that Aaron, I don't think, I think what Aaron was doing, I think there's hints in this passage that show that Aaron was not in agreement with what they were doing. It's almost like he knows what God wants, but he refused to do it. And you could say, therefore, his vision of God's will was messed up. But let me ask you a question. In your role as a spiritual leader over, wh- over whosoever, whoever it is that, that you lead, do you have a clear vision of what God's will is yourself as a leader in your family, over your kids, over your grandkids? Over your wife, who, who you're supposed to lead in love. Do you have clear spiritual vision? Forget them. Do you have it? Because you can't lead somebody spiritually if you don't have a clear vision first. So it's not about just trying to make, it, make everybody happy. That I'm telling you, and I'll say this again and again. There is a huge problem in our country There's a huge problem in our country with leaders that are only trying to make peace, that are only trying to make everybody get along. And the truth and that which is God's will, that which God wants, that which God says is right and wrong is cast aside so that we can just go along to get along. It's a passive version of spiritual leadership. And that is what Aaron practiced. And it is causing so much harm. I'll just say this right now before we move on because I don't want to get bogged down. You cannot be a right spiritual leader if you try to lead passively. You're going to have to take this thing, this this bull by the horns, and you're going to have to make some intentional and active decisions to understand God's will yourself so that you can lead other people to do that also. But if you're if you're just kind of if if as a leader we're just kind of blase and our primary concern is just keeping everybody happy, that is not biblical spiritual leadership. And so what happens here? The people sin. That's why they need a leader. They need someone with clear vision because they don't have it. And you can see it. You can see they don't have this the the right vision of of God and God's will. They're sinning grievously against God. But you know what you don't see between verse 1 and verse 2? You know what you should see, but you don't see? You don't see Aaron lifting up his voice resisting what they're saying at all. You see him passively letting them do it. He's not restraining them. He's not lifting his voice of resistance to the evil impulses of these people at all. And he's the leader. He offered no resistance. That is a shame. See, that's what a passive leader does. You just let everything go. Let everything go, even though you know it's evil and wrong and the opposite of what God wants. We just let it go when God wants us as leaders to resist it, to restrain it. That's why we are leaders in whatever leadership role you have. I think, I think most, most. Obviously, in the family, I think of children who are allowed to, especially at the state, you know, when when kids are little, like Robert's age, there's a certain ease in that because you can literally just enforce your will and it's not really that difficult to do. But as kids get older, it becomes more of a hassle, right, to deal with, with the evil tendencies and the temptations and such that are commonplace in a child's life. We must not passively let it happen. Verse 2, And Aaron said unto them, So the first thing I want you to see is Aaron offered no resistance to the evil impulses of the people. The first step as a spiritual leader is to resist. Verse 2, And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. Verse 3, And all the people break off their golden earrings, which were in their ears, and brought them unto Aaron. Second thing I want you to see. Aaron facilitated their sin. He made it easy for them to do it by his own hands. He's the one that came up with the idea of the the calf. They just said, make us a God. And Aaron said, oh, I've got an idea. He facilitated their sin, though he knew it was wrong. Look at verse 25. Look at verse 25. And when Moses saw that the people were naked, look at what the parentheses say. For Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies. Aaron had told them to do something, that's leadership, to shame them for what they were doing. You get the idea there that Aaron didn't agree. Aaron knew better. He actually took a step to, to show that. Why didn't he take a step in verse 2 and 3? How are you doing in your family? Listen. As I said, with when we lead people, there's always going to be times that people mess that people mess up and have a tendency to go off the rails. But what are you doing to respond to that? Are you providing resistance? Or are you just letting it go? And are you using your abilities to facilitate? What that the passions and the the uh, the actions that are contrary to God's will that are happening in the lives of the people over whom you have leadership. That's passive leadership. You see, it's terrible spiritual leadership. Not only that, keep reading down to verse number uh, four, and he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool. After he had made a molten calf, and they said, notice. Who's speaking? They said, that's Israel. These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. So they're saying, this calf is God. Aaron says something a little bit different, though, in verse 5. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made proclamation and said, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. So what Aaron is doing is he's compromising his convictions. What Aaron is doing is they're saying, this calf is God. Aaron is saying, he knows this calf is not God, but he's saying, well, we're just going to make a little, a little compromise and let's just have a feast to the Lord and we'll all be happy together. And I know you say, this is not really God. He's not going to dare say it, but, you know, this is not really God, but we're not going to really go there. We'll just, we'll make this feast about the Lord. It's a terrible and disgusting compromise of the truth. Aaron compromised his own convictions because he wanted, listen now, to please the people. He wanted to please the people. Again, the spiritual leader's primary function is to get a clear vision of God's will. Not to find out what makes people happy, the people under them happy. Of course, we know we want people that, uh, over whom we lead. If we lead in the right spirit, we want them to be happy within God's will. But that, that, that last tag has to be primary. Primary. Our primary concern as a leader, in whatever capacity we lead in spiritual leadership, our primary concern must be, is this what God wants? Otherwise, otherwise you might as well throw away spiritual leadership. It doesn't mean anything. He compromised his own convictions because he wanted to please the people. Not only that, in verse 5, look what it says. In the middle of the verse, and Aaron made proclamation. You know what he did? He used his role as a leader to promote the people's sin. As the leader, he has the one that has the authority to make a proclamation, and he used it not to resist or restrain, which is what he should have done. He used it to assist and promote their error. See, the problem is, I'm, I'm, I'm going to speak to kids right now. The problem is that when our kids have an idea that we have a good idea, is probably not God's will. We feel kind of sheepish. We don't want to rock the boat, stir the pot. And so we, we just let it go. We don't offer any resistance and then, and then it, they push and they push, and all of a sudden we find our hands involved in it, even though we know it's not right and it's not what God wants. But, you know, we, they want to do it. And you know the kids these days, we say stuff like that to ourselves, right? You know kids these days, and, and before you know it, your own convictions are now compromised, and you're actually helping in the sin, You're helping your kids sin. See? Next thing I want you to see is Aaron had divided loyalty. His loyalty, his heart was divided between pleasing people and doing God's will. And we all know how that always turns out. And so we go down toward the end of the the second half of the chapter. Moses comes. This is the third party in this story. Verse 19. And it came to pass as soon as he came nigh into the camp. See, here's just watch the contrast. Watch the contrast. Let me just kind of back up a minute here. Talking about a passive leader. A passive spiritual leader. Who is driving this whole process? That we read at the beginning of the chapter. Who is driving all of this? What is the driving force behind it? Is it the leader? Or is it the people? You can answer. It's okay. It was the people. Aaron is supposed to be leading them. But who's driving the decisions? The people, not Aaron. Aaron. But yet Moses shows up on the scene in verse number 19, and it's totally different. Because Moses is an active leader. Moses has a clear vision, sometimes even to a fault. There are places in the scripture that sometimes he's to to a fault. But he has a clear vision of God's will because he is a good spiritual leader. He's not a weak spiritual leader. And weakness and strong and strength in leadership has nothing to do with how demanding you are. Or commanding, you are. A good spiritual leader can be kind and loving and empathetic. You don't have to be a jerk. But Moses comes down from the mount with a clear vision of God. He sees what's happening and he makes decisive action that is just exactly the opposite of what Aaron has been doing. He resists with all his might in the name of God because he, his view is that God's will is first and foremost, it is supreme. They can be happy as long as they're happy in God's will. And it came to pass, as, soon as he saw the calf, uh, came down to the camp, he saw the calf, verse 19, and the dancing, and Moses' anger waxed hot, and he cast the tables out of his hands and break them beneath the mount. And he took the calf which they had made and burned it in the fire and ground it to powder and straddled it upon the water. And the next word is what? What does it say? Made. <laughs> I mean, I, I read in that he forced them to drink the water. He's serious. He is not letting this slide. Now, the truth is, two million people could have at any time torn that man to pieces. But you know what? He didn't care. He didn't care. He wasn't afraid of them, he feared God. Now, what you don't see, you know, you might look at this and you might see a leader who's a jerk. But what you don't see in this, at these, this verse right here, is Moses begging God to spare them. See, that's also spiritual leadership. And look at what it verse says, says in verse 21. Who does Moses go to? He goes straight to the leader. What did this people unto thee that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? And Aaron said, Let not the people at the anger of the Lord wax hot. Thou knowest the people that they are set on mischief. I mean, he shifts the blame, and that's the next thing. Aaron shifted the blame. He's the leader. and you know, And what we know that he didn't tell Moses is he offered no resistance at all. He just went right along with it. You can't blame the people when you didn't try to stop it. As a spiritual leader, listen, if something is going on in your family and in those people over whom you have spiritual leadership that is not God's will, it is not pleasing to God, you had better stand up against it. Don't you let that go. You might not be able to stop it every time. That's true. But you better not let that go. That is your and my responsibility as spiritual leaders. But Aaron just let it go. And we find at the end he's helping. For they said unto me, verse 23, Make us gods, which shall go before us as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt. We wot not what has become of him. And I said unto them, Whosoever hath any gold, let him break it off. So they gave it me, and I cast it into the fire, and there came out this calf. He lied. He just lied. Shifted the blame and lied. This is sadly the spiritual leadership of Aaron in this case. Maybe this doesn't represent all of his spiritual leadership because there are brighter moments. But this was a very nasty picture. I'm out of time. But I'll mention these. Before we finish, when the spies went into the land of Canaan, ten were bad and two were good. The two that were good were Joshua and Caleb. What did Joshua and Caleb say? They said, we can go and enter this land. And the whole congregation was like, it's done. You know what they wanted to do? They wanted to stone them. But that did not deter them because they had clear spiritual vision and perception. Of course, you know that Ari and I were talking about it, Saul, when God told him to kill all the Amalekites. And Saul, in, a, in a, just a, a terribly, just disgusting display of weakness, he said, well, the people wanted the sacrifice. Instead of doing God's will and leading the people to do God's will, he let them disobey. And you know what? God rent the kingdom from him and gave it to David. Eli, famous passage, 1 Samuel 12, verse, chapter 2, verse 12. Eli had two sons. They were priests, and they were committing fornication in the tabernacle. Eli knew it, and the Bible says he was. Restrained them not. But then you have Abraham. Genesis 18, 19, the Bible says, God knew that Abraham would command his children after him. Abraham meant business. He was going to lead his family in the will of God the best he knew how. Let me read this quote. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be done here. This is from Warren Wiersbe. He said, But Aaron and the tribal leaders were to blame because they didn't immediately turn to God for help and warn the people what would happen. Aaron and Hur had authority from Moses to lead in his absence. And though they were men who had seen God's mighty acts, they failed God and Moses. Instead of restraining the people, Aaron went along with them and gratified the desires of their sinful hearts. Later, he offered a feeble excuse and tried to blame the people, but God knew better. God was so angry that he would have killed Aaron had Moses not interceded for him. Israel's lust for her idols, for idols was born in, in, in Egypt and still worked in their hearts. Aaron fed that appetite by giving the people what they wanted. Listen, listen to this. If we passively allow those under our care To gratify all their and fulfill all those temptations and lusts that they have. And we don't resist it. And we worse yet facilitate it and give our hand to help. We are helping in their undoing and destruction of their spiritual life. We're helping. Listen to what he says. Much is being said these days about, quote, meeting the felt needs of the people. I'm sure you've heard that. But here was a nation that did not know what its needs really were. They thought they needed an idol, but what they really needed was faith in the great God who had revealed himself so powerfully to them. Israel exchanged the glory of the true and living God for the image of an animal, which means they they acted like the heathen nations around them. Many people can rise early to sin, but not to pray. And so we go back to finish the Deuteronomy. We look at what Aaron did. I'll go back there. You can go back there if you like. Chapter 9, verse 20. Gives us a little clear understanding of what God thinks. God took Aaron's role as a spiritual leader very seriously do you take your role as a spiritual leader in your family with your kids with your wife do you take that seriously are you willing to rock the boat for their spiritual welfare are you willing to stand against the sin that they want to do because you love them Are you willing to stand in the gap and do the hard thing? Because what they are doing is contrary to God's will and ultimately destructive. Or do we passively let it go by? Because we want to make them happy. It's a serious question. When I read this, God punched me in the face. and the lord was very angry with aaron we understand he was angry with the people they they turned to idols almost immediately aaron knew better aaron's a leader and the lord was very angry with aaron to have destroyed him and i prayed for aaron also at the same time let's pray